0: Folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's Survival Show, helping you harness the power of choice to live life the way you want to live it on your own terms and strengthen your resolve. My goal is to make survival simple, not extreme, and this is a practical show, no tin foil hat type thinking. I just keep it rooted in common sense. This is episode number 112 of today's Survival Show, and a couple quick announcements before we get started, i got an excellent show and an excellent interview coming up with one of our forum members but I just want to say the website is todaysurvival.com that's todaysurvival.com also check out the forum Uh, just go to the website and click the forum button it'll take you to where you want to go I'm going to interview a forum member here coming up pretty quick he's going to be on in just a couple of minutes And I just want to let you know that the the subject is going to be emergency communications. We're going to talk about CB radios and ham radios and a little bit of um, personal radios and GPRS and MERS radios and so forth and their application for uh, disaster communications. Post-disaster and pre-disaster. Now, recently, I asked um, Isaac uh, Isaac Goldman, who's going to come on the show here with me in a minute, I asked him to lead a chat night. For those of you who have not participated in one of our Today's Survival Forum chat nights, I want to let you know, this is no ordinary chat room. We pick a topic, and we talk about it. We keep it short, sweet. We don't tolerate a lot of people coming in that don't want to contribute. But we definitely invite you to uh Get in on our next chat night. I think the next one we're going to have is going to be next Sunday night. I haven't picked the topic yet. Uh, so sign up for the forum if you're not a member. If you are a member, be watching the forum posts because I'll be announcing that soon. So a few weeks back, I had Isaac lead a chat night on disaster communications, and it was so good I decided that I had to have him come here on this show. So I'll be flipping that on here in a minute. And by the way, I'm going to let you know that after this interview is over with, I'm not going to come back on and give any comments so you'll just hear the music that closes out the show as normal and uh, that'll be the the end of it so I just wanna say if you haven't thought about your communications methods uh, that you're going to use after the crap hits the fan. That's something you should be thinking about. Again, I don't like to talk about a whole lot of far-out, weird, uh, end-of-the-world type scenarios and things, but you know, you're know, you going to hear Isaac talk about an ice storm that recently hit Montreal, Canada. Uh, he's, he joins me uh, using Skype from Montreal. So even something like that, folks, I mean, even though that may not be a full, large-scale disaster, it's enough of a disaster to maybe you might have to turn to alternate forms of communication. Communication. And so that's what we're going to talk about, alternate forms of communication. The crap has hit the fan, there's no cell phones, there's no internet service and so forth. How are you going to communicate? How are you going to get the word out? How are you going to talk to each other about rallying points and supplies and what's going on with weather events and what's going on with uh, rioters and looters in the area and so forth? There's a whole host of things that you could be talking to each other about, but you have to have a way to communicate. So that's going to be the topic of this show. I don't want to steal too much of Isaac's thunder here. So uh, just a little bit here. I'm going to go ahead and put on the interview. And once again, I won't come on with any uh, comments afterwards because Isaac does such a good job. And by the way, folks, he's only 17 years old. But I think you're going to be very impressed with this young man's wealth of knowledge and I just gotta tell you I'm so proud that there's people like him in the world that are thinking about um, survivalism and and uh, and these types of things if only we had more young men and women like this guy I mean I tell you what the world would be a whole lot better place so that's it. Before I bring him on, I just want to say, folks, uh, please support the show if you can. Uh, this is not my full-time job. I do this for free, and I'm always going to make these podcasts free for you. But I post four or five of these every month. And uh, if you think they're worth a few bucks to you, uh, consider making a donation to help the show. Keep it going so I can keep bringing you good interviews and good topics and things like this. And uh, just go to survival.com, There's a Buy Now button on there. Hey, if you can contribute 10 15 bucks, 15 whatever, uh, that's that'd be great if not if it's not in your budget i understand uh, it's very important that you stay out of debt don't get into debt use your money for preparations but if it's you find it within your heart to do something like that go to today's survival dot com and use the buy now button uh, that's it pretty much folks I don't like to make this show real commercial it's not about the money I do this to have fun and to help people so here we go I'm gonna play 15 seconds worth of music and uh, Isaac's gonna come on and talk about emergency communications thanks for tuning in to episode number 112 folks where it's my goal to help you harness the power of choice and keep things practical and talk about how you are gonna communicate how you are gonna strengthen your resolve after a disaster and be able to communicate with each other so Thanks for tuning in to episode number 112. Don't go away, because after this 15-second musical interlude, I'll bring Isaac Goldman, also known as Atomic17, from today's Survival Show Forum. Here you go. All right, everybody. As you know, I like to interview people from our forum and interview listeners to the show. So today, uh, this is great. I, I, I'm i joined by Isaac Goldman. Now, he is 17 years old, and uh, I'm proud of him because, first of all, he's already led a chat night on the forum, and he's very well-educated and very well-versed in the subject of emergency communications. So are you there, Isaac? Yeah. Okay. By the way, uh, for those of you who are on the forum his handle is Atomic17. Uh,
1: why Atomic? I'm just curious. Um, it was a phase back when I had started playing computer games. I needed a username, and it was written on the side of a tennis racket I had laying around. <laughs> I love it. I love it.
0: Well, it's you know what? First of all, I want to say, Isaac, thanks for coming on the show. And I think it's excellent that a young guy like yourself, 17... It's excellent that you're interested, first of all, in survival, and that you're checking out our show, and our our podcast, and so forth. I think that's just kind of cool. Uh, what interests you about this subject?
1: Um, a certain amount of our status quo is unsustainable, and I was just old enough to remember the big ice storm we had here in Montreal in '93. Sorry, not '93, 90, '97. Yeah. I think it was.
0: '97, yes. So, Well, you know what? Tell us a little bit about that ice storm. What happened? What happened to you and your family?
1: Well, we were lucky. We were one of the few houses that still had power. Mm -hmm. Um, We were basically looking out the window, watching the 100-something-year-old willow tree of our neighbor building up ice, waiting for it to snap our power line. But – the main thing for the ice storm, for us it worked out okay. We had power, and again, we had one bridge onto the island that was kept clear enough for them to get supply trucks in. Uh, the main thing that got me thinking, what a lot of people don't know about the ice storm was we were down to one power line onto the island, and if that yeah. line had snapped, we would have lost all drinkable water on the island. The system would have depressurized, and we'd no longer have potable water.
0: So in Montreal... You're, uh, by the way, folks, he's joining us, uh, as you probably have already figured out, m- from Montreal, Canada. So you're waiting for this willow tree to snap, and if it would have snapped, it would have knocked out power.
1: Yeah, and then we'd be screwed. This house is not insulated very well.
0: And and what was the temperature when this was happening?
1: Um, Dependent from day to day, it was usually around minus 5, minus 10. The problem yeah. wasn't warming up. It would not warm up.
0: So you were old enough to remember that, so all of a sudden you decide, "Hey, I better start checking into this stuff.
1: I was old enough to remember, and then when I got older, um I started to realize, hey, this could happen again, you know
0: yes, you know it's 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 really kind of cool because if more people that are your age in the United States and Canada uh... were to pay more attention to survival i think this world would be a heck of a lot better place And it kind of i'm glad that people like you and alexander pay uh... close attention to this forum and so forth and uh... just thanks again for coming on the show i want to say that right up front
1: no problem glad to help
0: well i have asked isaac to talk about emergency communications and he did a good job of leading the chat night on emergency communications how to communicate after a disaster Explain to everybody listening uh, the same thing you told me earlier. What got you interested in the subject of emergency communications?
1: I basically found an old electronics textbook. Since then, I basically read it and got really interested in electronics. Yeah? I've done a bit of digital, but I really like radio for just all of the applications it has.
0: Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to ask him to talk about radio communications. If you guys all hear a funny noise in the background, it's my 12-year-old son practicing his trumpet in the next room, by the way. He, uh, he, he wants to be the next great trumpet player, <laughs> and he's doing pretty good. So, Isaac, let's start. I want to talk to you about CBs versus ham radios. We talked a little bit about this during the chat night, but... Uh, if you're gonna tell if you're gonna give some advice to the average person that's getting into preparedness c b or ham, what would you recommend and why
1: um It really depends actually what you're planning to do um They both have very distinct advantages if you're gonna go all nine yards, I strongly recommend you go the ham radio route because it's so much more versatile right. But uh, CB makes a great stopgap measure, and if you're planning to band together as a community, CB makes a lot more sense.
0: Okay. Well, tell us why CB makes more sense if you're going to band together as a community.
1: Well, CB, firstly, just about anyone can have one. There's no licensing involved, so a lot more people do have CB radios. Mm -hmm. Also, CB radio, it's all voice. It doesn't take any real skill to use besides how to push a button and speak.
0: Right. (laughs) Right.
1: Just about anyone can theoretically use a CB radio, whereas HAM, especially if you're using Morse code, you have to know it.
0: Yeah. Well, and so there, uh, let's talk about the HAM radio for a minute. Uh, you say it's more versatile. Uh, give us some details on why, why it's more versatile.
1: Okay. Well, firstly, um, let's just define some terms before we start. Um, SSB okay. is another way of saying voice. It's just a more efficient way of using voice over radio. Okay. And CW is another word for is another way of saying Morse code.
0: Okay, so CW is Morse code, SSB is voice.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay. Now, the thing about amateur radio, especially if you're transmitting CW, is it's extremely efficient. Right? The human brain is very good at picking up those beeps and boops and okay. you'll be able to basically with 5 watts of power, which is nothing, it will not drain your batteries you can transmit to just about the entire continent.
0: So it's much more energy efficient.
1: It's much more energy efficient. You want to get a message out to a neighboring community. It's very efficient, very easy to use also once you know what you're doing.
0: Okay, but let's talk about post-disaster scenario. Uh, It seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, don't be afraid to, to set me straight, but it seems to me more people are likely to have CBs than hams.
1: Yeah, more people are likely to have CBs. But again, there's ham radio, especially transmitting Morse code. The design simplicity is just such, it's so advanced as far as making it as simple as possible. You could easily stockpile a bunch of CW transmitters if you wanted to. And with a CW, you can get a couple hundred, couple thousand miles easily.
0: Yeah, no kidding, huh?
1: The uh, current record, if I recall correctly, is 4 million miles to to the watt. Wow. So,
0: all right. So, well, well, that definitely speaks to the power of it. Yeah. And I would, I would, I'm probably correct in assuming you've got both or multiple of each, correct?
1: I actually don't have yet. I'm starting to study for my license. Um, like I've just signed up for the classes now. For the ham radio license. Yeah, but I have a CB downstairs. Yeah. Cool. What kind of CB do you have? I think it's a Cobra or something. I got it used. Doesn't work too well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Now, let's talk CBs, and then we'll get back to hams again. Uh, one of the things I like about CBs is you can buy them just about anywhere, and they seem to be relatively inexpensive. Uh, what would you advise somebody if they're on somewhat of a strict budget? What kind of a CB would you advise them to get?
1: Yeah, whatever you can afford. There's Honestly, CBs are such – the whole system, like all the CBs around you are so low-power and so short range. You don't have any yeah. of the problems that you have with ham radio about congested bandwidth or um, interference from other stations. So you really – you don't need part- impressive filtering. You don't need amazing – you're better off investing the money on a proper antenna than on a uh, awesome-looking CB.
0: Okay. So let's talk about the proper antenna because I remember that from the chat night. People were talking about making sure you have a good antenna. What kind of antennas do you suggest?
1: Um, there are so many designs out there that you could bet books have been written on it. Um, okay. There are several points of interest on antennas. The first one is what's called polarization. Okay. If you have a directional antenna, depending on which way you orient the driven element, basically, if you flip it ninety degrees on the horizontal axis, you'll change the way the waves propagate, and you'll actually have very big losses if you aren't careful. Okay. Um, Besides that, it's despite what you might have found with radios like FM radios, if you just grab a length of wire and screw it into your antenna jack, you're going to get very bad results. Okay. On CB, not so much. The power's not that great, but with ham, you're going to burn out your transmitter. You need a uh, proper antenna matcher. They're dirt cheap. You can build them yourself. They're not hard to get. Besides that, it's... Really, you know what, whatever antenna you find works, there are so many designs on the internet out there that it's, it's not something like I couldn't recommend any specific antenna.
0: Okay. All right. So if let's talk about people who are going mobile for a minute. Somebody who's in their car. Let's say it might be an evacuation. Um everybody knows I'm not a real big fan of bugging out. I'm more of a fan of bugging in. But there are times where you're going to have to leave. So all right, let's let's talk about the scenario. You're in the car with your family. You're heading out. You got a CB. What kind of an antenna would you get for the vehicle?
1: Uh standard whip antenna, like the just the straight mask kind. You in a car, you want to avoid any fancy antennas. You just want a standard whip antenna. First, okay. God forbid you hit a tree or something, the antenna rips off. It's like $10 loss as opposed to 200 Yeah. And secondly, in a car, you can't really, you can't aim your antenna. You need an omnidirectional antenna. Omnidirectional, yeah. That's right. That's why a whip is good. Especially CBs, they're only on one frequency. You don't need fancy wave traps or ground planes or anything. Yeah, CBs are on what, 27 megahertz? Uh, I think something like that,
0: yeah. Yeah, some really super low frequency.
1: Yeah, it's it's not that low. It's actually fairly high. You get short range.
0: I thought it was – okay, I have to look that up. Maybe I should have done my homework. I thought it was about 27 megahertz or something.
1: Yeah, like no, that. 27 is it that low. That's just it. Amateur radio, um, 80, 80 meters is on the 3.5 megahertz. That's low.
0: Ah, okay, all right. Uh, please forgive my ignorance on this subject. See, I'm learning here. I'm learning from this uh, just by picking your brain on it. All right, so you're going mobile, and uh, and you've you've covered that on CBs. So now, tell us what what, what do you envision? What's the what's going to be the role of your ham radio if there's some kind of a disaster?
1: Um, firstly, local communication. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't go into it on chat night, but cell phones and landlines are going to be unreliable at best.
0: Uh, Yeah, well, that's probably true.
1: Um, The Internet is, for all its virtues, is not the answer. You're not going to have people carrying around laptops with them to MSN back to base. Having CBs or hams for your local communication will be essential. Okay. You're probably going to have some neighborhood watch going on. Having a reliable way to call back to base would be essential.
0: Well, now that is – you know what? I didn't think about that. If you've got some kind of a na- neighborhood watch going on and you're in your car and you're mobile, you're right. Calling back to base is critical.
1: Yeah, also, definitely. you're probably going to want to get into touch with – if you want to try and get into touch with neighboring communities or find out what's going on in the world once once the news network goes down, like if you lose your cable or something, you're going to have to use amateur radio. Okay, Also, Amner Radio, because you're in control of the transmitter, there's very little propaganda on it. Right. Usually you can tap into fairly accurate news sources. Okay. And it can't be shut down by the government very effectively. There's.
0: Well, now that's key. That's very important right there. You know, with all this talk about the government shutting down the internet and everything, that's all pretty scary stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm just mentioning that I saw the article a few—I uh, think it was a few days ago—about the kill switch now on the internet.
0: Yeah, exactly. You saw that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, so so, what do you think of that? Tell, give us your idea, what your what your thoughts are on the on the internet kill switch.
1: Um, it could be a disaster, to be truly honest. Every like, we don't we take for granted what we do with the internet. Like, right now, we're both using electricity. The centrals that control that are connected to all the different nodes via the Internet. Right. Um, All the products we use. All of our stores, for instance, we're all on, I don't know, anywhere that's not using next-day delivery now, except a few archaic mom-and-pop stores. That's right. Those places send for new inventory via the Internet. Any transportation now. I don't know if we have any truckers on the show who can confirm this, but I think now it's largely you scan, you pick up your item, and over the internet it tracks where the package is.
0: Yeah, we do have some truckers on this show, and by the time they listen to this, I'm sure they'll confirm one way or the other. But I'm pretty sure you're correct.
1: Um, So again, we depend; our essential services are all dependent on the internet, which is such a convenient way of of interfacing different devices.
0: You know, that's an interesting thing to think about because, I mean, if, if the Internet's shut down and, of course, if there's no power, there's going to be no way for them to replenish their supplies.
1: Yeah, that's, that, was one of my, that was one of the reasons why I started prepping, actually. During the ice storm, there were, there were no real supplies getting on and off the island. We had the Army trucking in fuel supplies.
0: How long did the ice storm – I mean, how long did the after effects last?
1: The ice storm itself on the island was less than 14 days, I think. Off the island, there was an area called the Triangle of Darkness. Basically, yeah. inside of it, every single power pole was totaled, and they had—I think it took up to a month to get power restored in some parts.
0: Wow. So, did you did you do did you use your hams for
1: some local communication during that time? Uh, I was too young. I didn't have ham equipment on oh. hand. But um, also, the cable lines did not go down somehow, and by some miracle, there were enough phone lines still up and running. Okay. It was mainly the uh, high-voltage lines that powered the city that went offline.
0: All right. Um, Isaac, let's talk money for a minute. Let's say somebody wants to invest in ham radio equipment. To get a reasonable amount of equipment and to get the license, how much is somebody going to have to
1: invest? Um, licensing fees aren't bad. I think it's less than twenty dollars just to take the exam. Um, okay. I'm not sure what it is in the states. Um, taking a class is, in my opinion, a very good way to start. Um, okay. I have no clue how much your local ham is going to charge you for the class. That's you're going to have to deal, negotiate with them. Okay. Um, as far as transmitters go, it depends what route you want to take. If you insist on starting out right away with SSB, you can look to spend at least $300 on a good quality transmitter. Okay. Like my advice would be buy a respectable rig, buy a real rig, buy a real manufacturer.
0: Like like be, by who?
1: Um, there's many different makers, Yesu, I um, can't remember that many off the top of my head, Hellcraft or Electrocraft or something. There's many different good ones um, out there. Like there's a okay. popular brands. The thing is just to avoid vacuum tubes. They're still in a lot of used equipment. Um, you probably don't want to have to be swapping out tubes and fig- adjusting chokes in order to get your radio working on your first radio.
0: Okay. If so
1: if you're gonna go the route of CW only, which is what I suggest you start out with, if you're on a short budget, you can for under $100 get the essential things you'll need for CW, which is a good transceiver, an antenna tuner, and some sort of antenna. Okay. Well, that's, that's reasonable. Yeah, that's just it. There's really, then it's just a matter of learning Morse.
0: Yeah, it's about learning Morse and, uh, now is that, is that tough?
1: Um, I've just started. It's not that bad.
0: So how much can you communicate
1: by it right now? Right now, none. Um, My transmitter is half-built. I'm saving money by building it myself. Okay. Um, Morse code, people communicate at ridiculously fast speeds, just more or less to show off. Like, look what I can do. I can do 56 words a minute in Morse. No one, no one will actually use more than 20 words a minute in real life, and they will slow down if you're typing slowly. Yeah. Right? There's very few people who are so rude as to keep typing at full speed when it's clear you can't keep up.
0: Okay. So, uh, well, that's more reasonable than I thought when you're talking money.
1: Yeah. It's not an expensive hobby to start out in.
0: See, and that was always kind of, I guess, one of my misconceptions. I always thought that ham radio was pretty expensive.
1: It is if you're going the voice route and you don't want to, like, you want to be heard. Using voice, if you want to be heard in your community, it's fairly cheap. If you want to be heard on long distance, it gets expensive very fast.
0: Okay. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the expenses of voice and long distance.
1: Okay. Well, voice, firstly, you need a proper transmitter. Right, CW you can get away with very crude equipment because it's just pulses. Right. Voice um, transmitters. I've been looking on the internet. I haven't found many good build-it-yourself sort of things. It's a lot more. You have to pay money for it. So it starts at about three hundred dollars or so, and you can get better deals depending for a hundred watts of power, which is the very minimum. Okay. Um, the problem is nowadays, especially the bands are congested, and one of the things people have unfortunately taken to doing, instead of perfecting their operating technique, is just getting the most powerful amplifier they can legally own and turning <laughs> it up, turning it up until the tubes are glowing red. So you end okay. up, you end up with people running at one and a half thousand watts and just blasting out, out in up kilowatt alley as they call it on the 40 meters trying mm-hmm. to basically over overpower at smaller stations in the rush to get the call in or just unintentionally tying up a ridiculous amount of bandwidth because no one else can use it and so why do they do that it's not intentional it's just the bands are getting crowded you have two options you can have everyone basically everyone throttle back their power and concentrate instead on better antennas and better um, operating skills, or you okay. can go with the cheap and immediate solution of getting a more power well cheap in air quotes it's actually more expensive solution of getting a more powerful amplifier and just blasting away into the interference. <laughs>
0: I'm learning something. This is okay. I, I, I knew some basics here, but you're you're definitely well studied on this stuff, aren't you? Yeah,
1: I got the engineer's reference manual.
0: <laughs> oh, God bless you. That's awesome. All right, well, let's talk about CBs for a minute. Sure thing. Um, back to that. So let's talk money on that. Let's talk costs. Everybody knows probably for 100 bucks you can get a good, decent CB. And there's no license required for CB.
1: There's no license. The only thing to keep in mind is they aren't that powerful, and you cannot legally strap on massive amplifiers and hope for the best. Yeah, a couple miles at best uh, staying legal, correct? Yeah, pretty much. If you got clear ground, maybe 15 miles.
0: Yeah. Okay. However, though, let's talk about post-stink hit the fan. All right. There's bound to be a lot of people out there with CBs. There's bound to be a lot of truckers out there with CBs in ways that you can, you know, get the word out as to what's going on, correct?
1: Yeah. The problem with that is you're going to have to relay it because of how short-range the CB is. You're going to have to basically pass the message from one person to another. Yeah. And then you've got the broken telephone effect going on. You've got people who forget or who are interrupted and can't complete their simplex.
0: Yep. All right. Yeah, well, there's definitely some distinct disadvantages. I'm just thinking from being a mobile standpoint, uh, when you're out uh, moving around, that CB can come in awful handy.
1: Yeah, got to agree with that. The ham radio equivalent of the CB are 2-meter and 6-meter. They're called handy talkies. They're basically a large version of a walkie-talkie transmitting on 2-meters or 6-meters. Okay. Um, The problem with that is two meters and six meters, um, there's a lot of repeaters out there because they're such short-range devices, and those repeaters are going to be offline in a prolonged disaster. Or if they're not offline, you're not going to be allowed to use them because they'll be reserved by FEMA or by your local ham radio disaster or support team.
0: Okay. Now, okay, so getting back to CBs, do you think there's a danger of CBs being unusable at some point?
1: Um, the amount of power they draw is pretty low. Um, the only real danger with CB, also CBs, you aren't like that likely to get tracked down because you can operate mobile and you don't have a distinctive call sign. Right. So I cannot honestly, unless there's horrible, um, electromagnetic problems, I cannot see any reason why CBs would not be usable. How usable is open to interpretation, but... Just usable. I think they would always be.
0: Well, you know, I kind of like what you brought up. I like the fact that they're not very traceable. Yeah.
1: I mean, I like that. I
0: mean, that's that's got to be a benefit.
1: Um, it is. I'd like to think my government's on my side, no matter how much they act to the contrary. But yeah, theoretically, a CB you're not tra- you're not as easily traceable.
0: Isaac, I'll tell you, as you get older, you will realize that the government's not as much on your side as you think that they probably are. I'd like
1: to think they are regardless, but yeah, you're probably right on that.
0: Well, I don't mean to be cynical, but I, I you know, I tell you what, I, I used to be, I used to have this Pollyanna view about about the government, and uh, and no longer. Just wait. Let's let's give you another twenty years, and we'll do a, a podcast again, and, and see what you think about the yeah, government. Yeah. Now, I mean, the Canadian government, I don't know, it might be a little friendlier, but We're a little
1: friendlier. We're a lot more as a friend. We suggest you do this as opposed to you have to do this sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah. our government's a lot more in check. We do have the non-confidence vote.
0: I'm just I'm just I you know I struggle every every day with the thought of trusting in in the United States government and you know uh just by saying that I'm probably now uh, being listened to and I'm on somebody's uh watch list or yeah, listen we're, list we're,
1: here. We're being listened in.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding, but uh and don't anybody get the wrong idea I'm not anti-government. I just uh yeah, with the disasters that we've had here in the states in the last ten years, and I just I see how the government has, has screwed things up so bad. Uh, it's just unsettling to me.
1: Well, it's not so much they screwed things up so bad; they're completely unprepared for them. Like every time we demand more and more services that they could not originally provide, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, what are the power power requirements for ham radio?
1: Depends what you're doing. Um, like I said before, if you're transmitting CW, five watts is more than enough to do anything you could possibly want to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, using SSB, a um, hundred watts is plenty for what for transmitting on your continent. If you're planning to go cross continent or to a diff- completely different intercontinent, you're going to need more than a hundred watts. Okay. Um. Just to transmit to your local community, though twenty-five watts to a hundred watts will be plenty. So let's talk about after a disaster. Then, how do you plan
0: on powering your ham radio? Uh, let's say an ice storm came through and you had no power.
1: Um, we have a backup generator, though I don't like using it because it advertises the fact that we have power. Right. Um, I have s- automotive batteries would work well, like twelve volt batteries. Okay. Especially on CW, you need so little power to make a a, a contact that it really doesn't take – it's not going to drain your batteries particularly fast. So any decent automotive battery is going to work? Any decent 12-volt battery, assuming your radio is designed for 12 volts. What you have to be careful of, the high-powered amplifiers are designed for 220 volts, and it's so much current that if you connected it to a battery, it would probably last 10 seconds. Right. Um, but, yeah, a general, if it's designed for 12 volts, and most of them are, they'll work fine off a battery. You just got to keep How it many? Up- uh, Sorry. You gonna- just, just, I'm just
0: curious. How many amp hours are they pulling?
1: Um, at 100 watts, 12 volts, that's 100 watts, that's 100, let's see, watts is volts times amps. So you'd be pulling 100 over 12 amps at full transmitting power.
0: Okay, so you're pulling about 8 amps.
1: Um, Actually, no. Um, That's how much you would be pulling at what's called peak power. At peak, yeah. But there's different transmitting modes, right? There's FM, which is what we're used to on the radio. There's also the various derivatives of AM, such as SSB, which are what are called. Now, the thing about FM, it's what's called 100% duty cycle. You're always pulling your peak current. With SSB, you're actually a lot of the time using a lot less than your full current power. Okay. So depending on on what words you use, you could pull your full 8 amps. You could end up with considerably less. And when you receive, you're pulling almost zero.
0: So that's why any decent 12-volt car battery source is going to work.
1: Yeah, any decent 12-volt battery will work fine.
0: Yeah. Uh, gosh, for that matter, I could probably pull the 12-volt, uh, the 12-volt 4-amp-hour battery out of my security system and run it on that, too, probably. This is
1: only 4-amp-hours? I have a, I got, my old one had 7-amp-hours.
0: Yeah, mine's only a 4-amp-hour. Actually, I can, I can put a 7-amp in there, but I'm running on a 4-amp right now.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm cheap. They've <laughs> If that's super efficient, you don't really need that kind of reserve power. Okay. And same with the CB, right? You can power it off of the same. Yeah, CB, I'm not sure how much power you'd be drawing, um, but yeah, same thing. It'll last quite a while.
0: Okay. Um, Oh, I know another question I was going to ask you. What's your opinion on these little portable CBs? I'm (laughs) talking about the handhelds.
1: Um... If you're not walking around with it, like if you're not actively walking with it, get rid of the crappy antenna and get yourself a real antenna. Which would be what? Um, like a real whip. Like if you're in your, if you're not walking around, if you're using it at a fixed point, get a real antenna. Get at least replace the half a foot long thing with at least a foot or two. Okay. And even when you are carrying it around, get the biggest antenna you can carry practically with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, once again, it's back to the antenna. The antenna
1: makes the device almost, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, ultimately, five watts and a good antenna is probably better than a hundred watts and a piece of junk antenna.
0: Well, that, you know, it's it's kind of like the old saying that a music system is only as good as its speakers. Pretty
1: similar, uh, similar effect. Yeah, very much so, especially at the lower amper lower power. If you're working QRP, which is less than five watts. If you have a good antenna, if you have a directional antenna, you're going to be fine. um, But it's important to have a proper antenna.
0: Okay, what are your thoughts on the little personal radios?
1: Uh, Aren't those called GPRS? GPRS, MURS. There's different names. Yeah. Um, depends. Um, they're nice. They're secure, which is something you will not get out of a ham radio or a CW where any sorry or a CB where anyone can listen in. Mhm. But at the same time, they aren't as powerful as a ham radio. You will not get the same range. Right. And um, I don't know their power efficiency honestly. Um, that I'd have to check. Okay. I'm fairly questioning though how secure they actually are. Like I don't recall. Which reading. ones?
0: The uh, the GPRS or the MERS? The MERS. Okay.
1: Like I've never seen. I don't. To my knowledge, there haven't been. I didn't Google for it. I don't know if there are any surveys testing how strong the encryption really is. Okay. But personally, I think you're better off using something that's unencrypted and acting accordingly than assuming it's encrypted and finding out it's not.
0: Also, that's a good point.
1: Also, a lot more people are likely to have MURS or FRS or whatever other handheld radio service you're planning on using. You're a lot more likely to get overheard. Okay. Um, I'll s- that's about it, actually. They're, they're, for the same price, you can probably get a good CB radio or even a ham radio if you wanted to. But aren't you kind of likely to be overheard on CB? If you're using CB, you know you're likely to be overheard. You can take appropriate action. Mm-hmm. Also, you can frequency hop a lot easier with CB, or you can use predetermined codes if you have to. And we haven't really gone into it, but there are certain antennas called beams. They're the yagis and the quads. They're extremely directional, Mm -hmm. so you can make sure that only the people you want hear it. And more importantly, you can do what's called what I mentioned earlier. You can polarize your signal. If you have a polarization mismatch between the transmitter and the receiver, you get tremendous interference losses. So you can do whatever. You can make sure that it's hard to listen in on you or you're harder to listen in on, and you know you're, being, you're not secure, so you take appropriate action.
0: So explain that again, explain it in simplest terms as you can, polarizing your signal.
1: Okay, well, the signal, the electromagnetic signal your antenna emits has a certain polarity. There's essentially, if you imagine a, a quad antenna, it's basically a bunch of, rect, of squares placed one in front of the other, Mm -hmm. Depending on where you feed your signal into that antenna, you're going to get a different polarization. Imagine you were to attach, for example, to the bottom of those squares, your transmitter. Mm -hmm. That's one polarization. If I were to rotate the entire antenna a quarter turn to the left, so now I'm feeding my signal from the left, I think. Okay. Now I'm feeding it from one of the sides. You've changed the polarization, and this will create – I think it's something like 17 decibels polarization mismatch loss, which is a tremendous loss, especially on cheap, on the cheap radios that people will probably be listening in on you with. Okay. All right. Because when you mentioned that, I, I, you know, I wanted you to explain that because
0: I know that there's some people that wanted to know what polarizing the signal was, and I, and I did. I wanted that for my benefit for you to explain that as well.
1: Yeah, it's a bit hard to explain without um, – it's much easier if you Google uh, what's called Yagi. You just type that into Google Images. Okay. It will give you uh, what's called a Yagi antenna, basically depending on whether the horizontal parts are pointing horizontally or vertically. The, uh, they're called the driven elements, the parts sticking out the sides. Depending on whether they're horizontal or vertical, you'll change the polarization. Okay. I think that might be uh, easier for people to understand.
0: So Google, because I'm trying, while we're on this now, I'm Googling Yagi right now.
1: I'd better check okay. that works, <laughs> actually. I should probably Google it, too. Yeah, spell that. Uh, Y-A-G-I.
0: Ah, all right. You're right. If you go to Google Images and Google that it, it kind of explains in pictures what you just said. Yeah. All right. Well I've I've kind of exhausted my questions, but I'm sure that there's more that, that you want to tell us about uh approaching this from a basic standpoint, from a basic communication prep standpoint. What do you what do you suggest people do?
1: Um, I strongly, strongly suggest you take the classes to become a ham radio operator. There's really no reason not to do it. They're not particularly hard. Um, to my credit, I did know a fair bit of electronics about it before, but most of what I learned was on a six hour flight to London and the return trip. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. Um, what else? What else would there be? Um, receiver design is a fairly interesting uh, topic. There's a lot that can be said about it, and there's probably about 20 people who will listen to this show and write in that, no, my design is the best, or whatever I'm running with is the best receiver you could possibly have. Right. Um, pers- so, again, it's an everlasting battle. Personally, I think the best... The problem is, basically, the best design for post hit the fan is... Probably the most aggravating design for pre-stink hit the fan. Uh, in my opinion, the best design is the regenerative receiver, which one of its perks is it's able to pull the weakest signals you can find out of the air and then amplify them to an audible level.
0: Yeah, it bumps it up, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it's got it's got amazing gain. The only problem is it's a whole, it's a pain to use nowadays on the congested bands. You end up with all sorts of overloads, or uh, interference, or opposite sideband-related issues.
0: But is it your theory that after Stink hit the
1: fan, the bands are gonna, the bandwidths gonna be a lot less crowded? Correct. Yeah, my theory is that yeah, the moment the Stink hits the fan, the two main sources of aggravation for nowadays on the bands, the people using kilowatt amplifiers and the European shortwave stations, are both gonna go offline. Okay. And once that happens, all of a sudden the regenerative receiver is really standing out. Suddenly you've got – the main aggravation is gone.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you talk about getting your ham radio license because I like to talk about acquiring skills on this show. And I think it's a very important skill to acquire, you know, along with all the other skills that – that that people learn and I've always thought I've kind of been a big believer that it's easier it's gonna be easier to acquire gear after the crap hits the fan than it is gonna to be to acquire a new skill.
1: Yeah, you're definitely not while you're holding your AR fifteen is probably not the time to try and learn more skill. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
0: while you're while you're trying to feed the black rifle is not the time to be learning more, so that's good.
1: Yeah. Um, um now go ahead.
0: Uh, I had a question come to mind, and now I I forgot it. Oh, sorry. Well, I'm trying to remember what it was that I was going to ask you, because it had something to do with ham radios. Um, Tell tell us what you suggest for the people that are leaning more towards CBs.
1: Um, People leaning towards CB, um, buy whatever CB you can afford. There isn't that much difference um, between the $300 model and the $30 model. Uh, you probably will neither need nor pr- find particularly useful post-stink at the fan any channel memory features or anything like that. Okay. There's not going to be tremendous interference on CB. You're not going to need the CB with the digital signal processing or any other fancy stuff. Go with a tried and proven. Go with a real company, though, that makes CBs. Don't buy the no-name brand. Okay. Um. Otherwise, I still think it's worth uh, learning how to use a ham radio. Yeah,
0: or both, or both.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely learn how to use a CB. Preferably learn both. Yeah.
0: It seems like they both have their their specific use and their specific niche.
1: Yeah, they both have very specific uses. I'd have to agree on that.
0: Okay. Uh, any certain channels that are better than others?
1: Yeah, um, just a sec. I actually have a uh, – I highly recommend this book, by the way, to all the listeners. It's the ARRL's Low Power Communication Manual. It's uh, written by Rich Arland. And yeah, it's got a nice page for using low power transmission, what particular bands you want to be using. What's the name of that book? Um, the ARRL's Low Power Communication, The Art and Science of QRP. Okay um basically it's, it's invaluable in my opinion. I highly recommend you get it um there are several bands of interest um there's the eighty meter band which it's a nighttime band during the day. it's very limited in range during the night though it opens up considerably
0: comes alive at night,
1: doesn't it yeah basically it it's one of those party channels at night. <laughs> Um, One of the best bands to have on hand is also one of the most aggravating to use, the 40-meter band. The range is incredible. Um, During the day, it's strong. During the night, it's incredible. But it's also extremely congested. You get a lot of people using high-powered rigs on it if you don't stick to... There are specific portions of the band limited for CW, I think. But in general, it's very congested, unfortunately. You can still get great contacts on it, but it is crowded. Um, Lastly, there's the 20-meter band. It's good for... It depends... There's a lot of conditions that can affect your reception, but it's open pretty much 24 hours a day in the summer. You don't have to deal with... um, so it's you don't have to deal with that deal with the atmospherics quite as much. Uh-huh. And unlike the problem with antennas is they need to be like a quarter or a half the wavelength. So half of 80 meters is pretty long. It's something like 64 feet of antenna. Uh, 20 meters is the lowest band that you can practically use a beam antenna like a Yagi or a quad. Mm-hmm. as opposed to using a dipole and hoping you have enough space on your lot. So you can use directional antennas on the 20 meters. Below 20 meters, you end up with a problem, which is they're shorter-range bands and they're daylight only. They're a lot more line of sight. They're a lot more affected by um, a- atmospheric problems. Okay. Okay. And then you end up with the handy talkies working on six meters, two meters, and various bands measured in centimeters, which are more of a – they're like a close-range network thing than actually a long-haul ham radio thing.
0: Okay. This is good stuff, Isaac. I mean this is is exactly what I wanted this show to accomplish was – to speak to the to the person that's that's kind of like me that's somewhat of a, of a novice at communications and then also speak to somebody who's experienced and it seems like you've hit both sides of that pretty well.
1: Yep. Yeah, um one thing we should probably do we're going to have one of us is going to get requests what radio do you recommend? Oh yeah. Yeah, um so before we get inundated with emails, um If you do happen to get The Art and Science of QRP, the book I just recommended, it has some good recommendations in it. Um, Two good ones that really catch my eyes. Firstly, the radio called the L-Craft KX1. Um, While you're on their website, take a moment to admire another radio they sell called the L-Craft K2. This radio is the Ferrari of QRP radios. But unless you have six hundred dollars to shell out for something that doesn't even do voice, it's, it's probably not worth it. Yeah, that's, that's quite a quite a chunk of change. Yep. Yeah, um, but it's still a it's a very nice radio, which is very expensive. Um, the KX one is a radio, it's got several different bands. You can do the eighty, the forty, the twenty, so it's not limited by that. And the main strength of this radio is it fits in your shirt pocket. It's that small. Nice. It's got good reception, and you can literally fit the radio, the antenna, the keyer, everything into your toiletries bag.
0: Well, now, that's that that's a huge plus right there that it doesn't hardly take up any space.
1: Yeah. Also, just looking at the picture, it seems to have a lot of – seems to look pretty easy to use. It's got a digital frequency gauge. Got all sorts of stuff that'll make it easy enough to just pick up and start using. Okay. Um, the other one that caught my eye is the Oak Hills Research OHR100. This thing is also tiny. It's maybe two AA batteries by two AA batteries wide. So it's tiny. Um, yeah, that's- It's pretty small. Uh, The review, the main strength on this thing is they've gone to great pains in designing it to make sure that the receiver is very quiet so you can pick up a lot of weak signals without having to deal with interference from your own receiver. Okay. Okay.
0: Good stuff. Say the name of that book again one more time for everybody.
1: Sure thing. It's the ARL's well Power Communication, The Art and Science of QRP by Rich Arland.
0: I'm going to find that and link to it in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, Isaac, this has been great. I got a feeling we're going to have to do a part two because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions, and I'll start a thread on the forum about it as well.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm sure once once we get a thread going and start looking at some of the questions we may have to do a part 2 on this.
1: Yeah, we may have to, but I got nothing else to do. <laughs> oh, come on.
0: Well, first of all, I got to say once again, I am so impressed uh a guy like you, young guy like you, 17 years old. I mean, this is great. Your your knowledge in this subject is quite impressive, my friend.
1: Yeah.
0: It's quite impressive, and, and, and by the way, I want everybody to know, uh, Isaac and I were chatting a little bit before we got this started. He's a junior in college. Right? Did I get that
1: right? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah.
0: So what's your, what's your degree?
1: Uh, pure and applied sciences, it's, uh, the road to engineering. <laughs> Somehow
0: I know you're gonna be good at it, I'm sure. Thanks. Uh, definitely not my forte when I was in school, but, uh, Good job! Thanks for coming on the show, Isaac. I appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me. Hey, folks. He's known as Atomic Seventeen on the forum and uh, a valued member, and I appreciate it. You have a good evening. Okay. You too. Okay. Thanks.